Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. Hey, we're going to turn to the Bible. It's my privilege to speak to us from it tonight. But I, I just wanted to start by, by saying when we say turn to the Bible, like it's actually a really great encouragement to turn to the Bible. Maybe you're not familiar with the Bible. Maybe you recently responded in one of our services and you're like, oh, actually, I'll just let it come up on the screens. It will come up if you don't have a Bible. But just encourage us, turn to the Bible because it's good to familiarize yourself with where things are. So when we leave this place, what, from what God's spoken to you about today, you can go and have a look at it. Look at it a little bit further and see what God wants to say. The title of my message tonight is Turnaround. Turnaround. Now, I've got to say it's right from the start. The, the story that I want to, I want to speak from is, is a story that sometimes we can associate with something that you might find in Adventure Kids. It's one of those stories in the Bible that maybe you think, maybe that's not for the, for the adults. Maybe that's just an adventure kids kind of talk. But, you know, the Bible isn't divided up into, into stories for the adults and stories for the children. So maybe you are familiar with this story, but I believe it's going to speak to us tonight and, and God's got something fresh for us in it. Our lead character that we're going we're gonna to look at in the story, he was... Um, he was a prophet, so he, his job was to speak to God's people on behalf of God. And this man finds himself a challenging part in his life. And he, and he hits a challenge and, and like all of us, has an opportunity to fight or flight. We all hit this moment in our life at different, different times and he hits this moment and he decides flight. His name is Jonah. Let's read from Jonah 1. 1 to 17, this is what happened. It says this, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, some of Amittai, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they even threw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But, but, Jonah, but Jonah had gone down below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up. Call on your God, maybe He will notice, take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah, so they asked him, tell, tell us, who's responsible for, for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Kind of gives him this kind of face. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What? What's your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, the same God that we worship tonight, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. That's smart. 
The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they, they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, good men. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. They cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you please. Then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. And at this, the men greatly feared the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Verse 17, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly for three days and three nights. Jonah's response to this is not a prayer for deliverance from the fish rather than, rather it's a, a prayer of thankfulness. He's in the fish and for the next chapter, he's praying and he's thanking God. And right at the end of this in Jonah chapter two in the last verse, verse 11 reads this. And the Lord commanded the fish, and let's just say the fish delivered Jonah onto the dry land, because that's too graphic for a Sunday night. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message that I have given you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into it, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. Fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. That was a, an uncomfortable garment that they wore to show their repentant hearts. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, He relented and did not bring on them the destruction He threatened. Shall we pray? God, we thank You for this time that we have here, Lord God, and we pray that we would not leave this place the same, Lord God, that you would work on the inside of us, that you change us, you refocus on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Daniel. So um, I want to ask the question, um, who in this room would run for a bus? It's a little bit, come on, by show of hands, who would run for a bus? Interesting, you're on my side. And who's on my wife's side in this room? Who wouldn't run for a bus no matter what? Interesting, the room is, is split kind of 50, 50, 50. I was talking to my friend Catherine in the week and I was like, surely you'd run for a bus, right? And she was like, no. She was like, what? Could you say something, anything more outrageous? She's like, no. But she was like, she said this really interesting sentence. She was like, but I would run from a dog. I'm like, it's kind of not the question, but that's cool. But, but some people would, some people wouldn't. I'm in the category that I, I would run for a bus, but um, I also enjoy watching other people run for a bus because it's just funny. It's just a great, you know, if we could record this, we could make some serious money out of these moments. I've seen quite a few of them now and I, I really, really enjoy them. You know, you come around the corner and you look down the road and there's your bus. Now, some of you, I've seen you, you've already shown me in the room, it's a write-off already. We are not getting that bus. But I'm like, I don't want to wait around. I want, I want to get that bus. So it starts off with just uh, the walk quick and slightly. You're okay at this point. But then it's building in your mind and you're thinking, I'm not going to get this bus at this pace. I'm going to need to go a little bit faster. So you, you kind of get this walk on. But nobody can style that walk. I don't care how cool you are. You could be Tando Zulu. You're not styling that walk. 
So then it turns into a little jog. At this point, I just want to clarify, you are running for the bus. You are running. But then it's that thing of, what if I jog and I still don't get it? So you, so you kind of quicken your pace a little bit, and it's like, I'm getting this bus. But at this point, you've committed. At this point, you've committed, and, and this could go one of two ways. Either you make the bus, you arrive on the bus, and you hope for an applause for making it, and you look to the people, and you're like, I'm here, I'm here. I'll take my seat, I'll take my seat. Or... You get to the bus, and this is what happens to me every single time. The bus driver glances at you. This is what I like to call sin. He glances at you, and then he looks the other way, checks his mirror, and pulls away. And you're there running, just kind of like, and you try and style it. Now, there are people in this room, there's two categories. Once again, there's some people who will laugh inside, and there's some people who will just laugh outside. I'm a runner, but I'm also a laugher. I'm just going to hold my hands up and say that's what I do. But, but different things will get people running. Different things will get people running. If I said right now, free food, atrium, I know you're expecting to hear from God, but I know some of you are running. I can see you already. You can see you already. Some of you, if I said right now, ASOS, 50% off everything, you're gone. You're gone. You, you're getting home and you're placing, you place, some of you are checking. There is no... There is no 50% off on ASOS right now. Maybe you're going to a gig and you want to get right to the front. You'd run to get to the front. Or for me, one of the things that, that I still do is when I go to my parents' house, mom's cooking dinner, everything's fine, I'm relaxing in the living room. And then she says those words that just trigger something in me, it's still not changed. She says, dinner's ready. And for some reason, I still feel like I've got to run for that. It's like dinner's ready, the excitement of that. I don't know what, what would make you run, but tonight I want to go through a story about a man who ran. A man who, who ran away from God. I want to say right at the start, he wasn't running away because he was scared of these people. What he was scared of was actually that they would accept the forgiveness that God wanted to, to give them. That's what, what he was scared of. So Jonah Jonah, it was like Jonah was asked, if you look at the map of England, it was like Jonah was asked, go up to Newcastle. That was the direction he should have been going. Go up to, go up to Nineveh. And he was kind of like, yeah, I'm going to Devon. And he went completely the opposite direction. This was a, a dramatic moment. But Jonah wasn't, he wasn't hiding from God. This run was just a reflection of what was going on in his heart. This is what, we can look at this story and see it as a big story of hide and seek and distance ourselves from it. But really what's going on here is a man has been asked to do something by God and he's decided that the, the opposite is the one that he wants. I kind of see this as like pick and mix Christianity. This is the way I see it. So it's like you walk up to the, um, the Candy King stand, other pick and mix distributors are available, but... But you walk up to the Candy King side and you look at it and you see the snake and you think, I'll have one of the snakes. And, and then you see the white mouse and you're thinking, oh, I'll have one of them as well. I, li I like them. I have one of them. But then you see the licorice and you're like, I'm not having one of them. I'm not having one of them, but, but I'll have one of these. And we start to pick a mix and sometimes we can be like this with what God asks us to do these different things, and he asks us to do this, but oh, I like that, I'll take that, that's, that's good. Oh, can you do this? Oh, I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll do that. But what about this? Mm, I don't like that. 
So I'm not going to do that. It can become a little bit of like pick and mix Christianity. And this was Jonah. He was in for the things that, that he wanted to do. But the moment it came to the thing that he didn't like, he was like, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be doing that. Maybe we think that this story is so dramatic that we can't relate to it. Maybe it's like, that's never going to happen to me. I wouldn't actually run away from God. And maybe we wouldn't, but in our hearts, we can. When God asks us to do something, have you ever done the opposite? When God's asked you to step out and speak to somebody, have you ever done the opposite? When God's said something in his word and, and you know that he's speaking to you, have you ever done the opposite. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 3 to 4 says this, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, which is like excessive pride, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Do nothing, do nothing from a place of rivalry or pride. Do nothing. Okay, I share that scripture. Why? Because I believe this is the great leveler. This is where me and you and Jonah were all in the same boat. Pun intended. Pun intended. Okay, tough crowd. So to unpack the story... I just want to say in this place that every single one of us have had this moment. Every single one of us have this moment all the time where God has got a way that he wants us to walk and he's looking for our hearts and he's saying, will you be obedient? And we can look at what he's asking us to do and we know what we should do, but we can turn the other way. So as we go through this story, let's put ourselves in the place of Jonah. He, um, he wasn't just saying no to God because he didn't fancy it. He wasn't just saying no to God because he, he had some other plans. You see, what was going on here was the people that he was sending, God was sending Jonah to were the Assyrians. Now, the Assyrians were people that, that Jonah hated. He didn't just hate that day because he'd heard something about them. This is a hate that had gone on for a while. This was a deep hate. This was something going on in his heart. And this was something going on around him as well. Because the culture for Jonah, the culture around him was that the people hated the Assyrians. And some of the thing of the culture around him had seeped in and become part of his heart. I was just wondering tonight, why, what are the things maybe in and around our culture, where we're in and around the world, maybe things we see on social media, on TV, in the music, on, maybe in some of our friends, the things that are said that, that are in and around us. And it's what other people thought, but something's happening where it's actually become something in our hearts. Because what I find interesting in this story is when he's asked to go to the place that he would not want to go to because of what's going on in his heart, he turns the other way and goes. I looked at my own life and the decisions that I've made and realized that sometimes there's something going on in my heart. Something going on in my heart that if God says to me, come and do this, it goes through the filter of my heart and I'm like, no. Maybe, maybe for us, it's the, the honour your father and mother. God is saying, walk this way, honour your father and mother. And he's saying, come on, come this way. But we look in our heart and what's in our heart is bitterness. Bitterness towards our parents. So the call that God has on our life comes into our hearts and we turn the other way. 
Maybe, maybe God's saying to you that you need to love somebody and this is what he's asking of you. Love them, love them, but, but in your heart is still hurt from what they've done. Hurt that sat there and festered for a long time. And so when that call comes to you and God's like, will you go? It's like, I'm still hurt. I'm still carrying that hurt. And so we walk the other ways. The point that I want to make is this moment was not a snapshot moment. When God's call came to Jonah for him to do something, and it looked a little bit more out there, what happened was it went through the filter of his heart. When God comes to you, when God comes to you and asks you to come and do something that you might not want to do, my question to us tonight is what's in our heart? What's in our heart? Jonah doesn't deal with what's in his heart and he runs the other way. He, he boards the ship and he sets off. You know what I find really interesting in this story is that God could have just sunk the ship right there. You know that, right? God could have just taken him out right at the start, taken him down, sunk the ship, bring him back, ask him again. But God knew that he needed to process and he needed to work some of this through with Jonah. So God allows the journey. In verse four, it says, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Wow, God sends a storm. Why does he send a storm? Why does he send a storm? Why doesn't he just turn the boat around and send it back in the right direction? Why does he send a storm? I believe he sends a storm to get Jonah's attention. But you know, when, when we're talking about God sending a storm, it might just not sound right in our heads. That scripture might just jar a little bit and be like, why is God sending a storm? Because when we talk about storms, we talk about harm. We're expecting that the storm is going to harm us. Jonah that day may be thinking that the storm has come to harm me, not realizing it's actually there for his benefit. Jonah, can you imagine how he's feeling right now, fleeing from what God wants him to be doing. Things are getting worse. The storm has come and I cry out of, this is not what I need right now. Have you ever said that? God, this is not what I need right now. And yet, interestingly, this is exactly what he needed. Because it was a storm which was the start of his turnaround moment. The storm in your life right now that you've been looking at for a while and thinking, why is this here? Why is this going on in my life? Why? God, can you not just get rid of it? Maybe it's there because he wants you to have a turnaround moment. Maybe right now he's after your heart. Maybe he's wanting to do something where before you were trying to push it to one side and God is actually saying, I would like your attention. I would like your attention because there's something that's going on in your heart that we need to deal with. This is a turnaround moment for Jonah. The challenge in your finances feels like a storm, but actually it's the catalyst for you to trust God as provider. The relationship struggle you've got right now feels like a storm, but it's actually going to be the context in which God shows you that he's your comforter. The uncertainty around your future feels like the storm that's going to derail you, but actually it's right there to show you that God is your shepherd, a shepherd who leads you. 
You see, maybe we've been seeing it wrong. Maybe we've been seeing it wrong. The storm is not there to destroy you. It's the moment to redirect you, to turn around. The storm is raging, but Jonah is sleeping. Now, now I've been in a moment like this where I felt like this and the confusion of this. I remember when I was a child living back home and my brother Dave was, was living in the house at the time and we had an earthquake. And I'm like, I'm not talking about like a little earthquake in the middle of the night, a full-blown earthquake. Like my bed is shaking. And I'm like, am I dreaming? What is going on here? And I'm like, that was crazy. Anyway, I wake up in the morning and I say to Dave over breakfast, I'm like, bro, that earthquake was crazy. And he's like, what earthquake? I'm like, you slept through that. You actually managed to sleep. And there's this moment in our story where, where the captain comes down to Jonah, the storm is raging, and he's looking at him, and he's like, you're sleeping. What is going on in this moment? Why are you fast asleep? He would have felt like he was furthest from the storm and yet still right in the middle of it. And I look at this moment and I'm thinking, why is he sleeping? Why is he not just facing up to the situation? But I do understand it. I understand it when I look at moments in my life and when God asks me to do something and I'm running, I'm trying to hide from what I know he's asking me to do. Sometimes we can bury things under the carpet. Sometimes the, the feelings, the things that I've built up over a while, we bury it under the carpet. The pain from that, that hurt in that situation, that sin that we know that we just don't feel like we can master, but, but we're just going to push it to one side and put it under the carpet and maybe we can just sleep this off. I start to realize that this moment for Jonah actually isn't too far from how we can be sometimes. I look at my own life, it's so easy when God's asking you to do something that you don't want to do. Honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself, what's he asking you to do that you've ignored and you've pushed under the carpet? Because this moment where the captain comes is all about facing the music. He says to him, wake up, wake up. He's like, you need to call on your God. You need to wake up and you need to call on your God. It's like, whoa, I was hoping to ignore this situation. Are there any things in our lives that we were hoping to ignore but just get a sense that God comes to us tonight. God comes to us tonight and he wants to wake us up. And he says, it's time. It's time to face the music. It's time to deal with that situation. It's time to bring that before you. The storm is there for you to have a turnaround. The lots are cast and Jonah is found out to be the problem. What, what should we do, they asked him. How do we end this storm? Notice this, the storm came because of Jonah's actions, but now it's affecting others. What Jonah just would have fa factored in as one decision that he was making in his life, either to be obedient or God or not, was now starting to affect those who were around him. And the storm is raging and it hits a point where he's like, guys, you've got to throw me in. But these guys, they're, they're determined to battle on and they're, they're rowing and they're giving it their best. But they're not getting anywhere. And they come to that point which we read where it's like, we're going to have to throw them in. But I think this moment is absolutely incredible. See, Jonah's like, you've got you've to throw me in. And they throw him into the sea. And this moment 
is a moment actually where Jonah's like, you know what, I hold my hands up. I'm going to face the music. I'm going to face up to the situation. Throw me in. I'm the problem. And this is what follows that moment. It says this. Then they took Jonah, verse 15, and threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. Check this out. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Right in the middle of a story about one guy messing up, right in the middle of a story just about the obedience of one man, right in the middle of it, we have a group of sailors making vows to God. What Jonah would have seen as this story about his mistake, the story about his mess, in this moment, his heart changes. He's been walking the wrong way for a while, but makes a decision in this moment. He's going to have a turnaround moment and he's going to do what God's saying. He throws himself in the water and then all of a sudden his story of obedience becomes part of somebody else's story of restoration. I just wondered, maybe we've devalued the power of obedience. What God could do in this room, through my heart and your heart, just being obedient to Him. The people who are meant to be sat in this room, and they're gonna be sat in this room when something happens in our hearts, when we say, God, you know what? I am gonna do what you asked me to do. I believe right here in the room today, there's some people which we know where God said to us, go and love these people. Go and love these people. Jonah was asked to go and share and reach out to these people. And God's saying to us, go and love these people. But maybe we've turned around and said, ah, I'm just going to stay in my comfort zone. But what God can do through an obedient heart. What God can do through an obedient heart. The Lord says, provided a great fish. This is the first submarine I can find in the Bible. It's the last one as well. And Jonah went into the water. And in this moment, it's a moment of him saying, you know what, I'm going to get what I deserve. I'm going to throw myself over because I know I deserve this because I know what I've done. But what I love right here in this story is this fish, this submarine actually is a picture of God's grace. See, Jonah thinks, I've just got to get what I deserve. I've just got to get what I deserve. I've messed up. I've got some things wrong. I'm just going to give myself up. I'm here. I'm messed up. And he's expecting death to be what he gets. And here comes the grace of God in a fish. I just felt maybe for some people tonight, you feel like that. You feel like you should be settling for second best. You feel like because of the mistakes that you've made, because of what's gone on in your life, that actually you don't deserve that. But I've come to say to some people tonight that there's a fish, there's a submarine of grace coming your way to catch you right where you're at. It's grace, it's coming to you. 2 Corinthians 5:21 says this: God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. That's speaking about Jesus. God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What's this scripture saying? It's saying that we don't get what we deserve. This is the gospel. 
This is the, the good news that maybe we feel like because of what's gone in our lives, the mistakes that we made, that we will get what we deserve. But the gospel right here is so clear in this story. He's messed up, but still the submarine's coming. Then the fish delivered Jonah back to the land. And I find this bit fascinating. God came and he said, go to the great city of Nineveh and tell them the message I give you. It's like, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Good. Is this the chat that's really going on? After all of this, this is the first thing that we hear God say since he said exactly the same thing. Right near the start of our story, God says to Jonah, go to the city of Nineveh. And here, after all the disobedience, he comes back in this moment and God says to him, go to the great city of Nineveh and tell them the message I give you. I'm like, what? After all of that? You know, I think how I would probably phrase that if I was having this conversation would be, why don't you do what I told you to do this time around? Because look what you just did. And look at the trouble it got you into. And look at that whole story. Look at all of that mess. Look at all of that. Why don't you this time? Why don't you, having looked at what you did last time, have a little bit of a rethink this time about what you're going to do? Maybe this time you should do things just a little bit different to last time. Because last time didn't really work out for you, you know? Maybe this time, just obedience, you know? Just, just, just do as you're told. Genuinely feel like that would be a reasonable conversation to have. Genuinely, I feel like that's, that's how I would have had this conversation. But the conversation that's had, go to the great city of Nineveh and tell them the message I give you. But that's what you said before. That's the same thing. But God, that's what you said before. The same words. The same thing you're asking of me. But God, what about all of that? What about all that time when I turn my back on you? What about all of this mess, God? What about when I wanted to do it? I actually decided I wanted to not follow what you wanted. What about when I wanted to enjoy my sin? What about when I decided, you know what, I'm staying here. This is good for me. I'm on my boat and I'm sailing off. What about that moment? What about the journey, God? All of that. And God comes to him and says the same thing again. A second chance. A second chance. But sometimes I think in our lives, when we, when we relate to God, we potentially don't see our second chances like this. We expect behind, oh, he's gracious, but behind all of that, he must be looking at me and thinking, you messed up, dude. You messed up, girl. Behind that, surely there's, there's something going on in God's heart where he's looking down at me going, hmm, go on then. That is not our God. This scripture paints this beautiful picture of the grace, relentless love of God that we've been singing about tonight. And I've come tonight and I want to ask you this question. You fought Him, but will you follow Him? You fought Him for a while now. You fought Him on that topic. 
You fought Him on that area of sin where you think, I just want to do this thing my way. I want to pick and mix Christianity. But I've come tonight to say, but will you follow Him? Because with an obedient heart, with a heart that says, God, you know what? I've got things wrong, but I'd like a second chance. This is the conversation that He has with you. And He comes to you tonight because He's got things that He wants you to do. This city is not going to reach itself. It's you and it's me. And maybe we thought it would be the day where we did that phenomenal spiel to our friend and they were like, yes, I get it, I'll come. Or maybe, maybe behind that, God's looking for an obedient heart. That I'll say, you know what, God, you know what? I am going to do as you ask me. I am going to honour my father and mother. You know what, God? I'm not going to sleep around. You know what, God? I am going to speak well of those people around my life. The power of what God can do with an obedient heart. You fought Him, but will you follow Him? Will you turn around? Because if you will, there's a second chance for you tonight. And God uses this turnaround moment. He uses this obedient moment from one man to reach this powerful and very evil city. A whole city has a moment where they encounter forgiveness and grace because of the obedience of one man. Oh, we're believing for a city to be reached. Oh, we're believing for a nation to be released. But behind it is going to be the obedience of the hearts of men and women in this place. People who say, you know what, God, I have fought you, but right now I'm going to follow you. God, I've gone this way for a little while, but, but I want a second chance. Can I get a second chance? Because I want to follow you, God. God uses the turnaround, the obedience. And I believe tonight that God is going to use the turnaround and the obedience of hearts in this room. Because we're going to leave this place and I'm believing some things are going to be different. Because of decisions that are made in here, you fought Him, but will you follow Him? You fought Him on that issue, but tonight will you say, you know what, God? I'll follow you. I'll say yes. I'll do it. God, I want to change my way. Will you show me a second chance? And He says to you tonight, yes. Maybe you've been fighting for a while, believing for a turnaround moment in your life for a while. Maybe you've tried and you've tried to stop doing things your way. You've tried to forgive. You've tried to let go. You've tried to stop making that same mistake. You've reached out for solutions over and over again, but you feel tonight that nothing's changed. As I land this, I want to tell you a story of a woman who had done exactly that. She tried and she tried for 12 years. And then there was a one day. Mark chapter 5, verse 25 says this. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. She tried and she tried and she tried. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind Him in the crowd and touched His cloak because she thought, if I touch His clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized the power had gone out of him and he turned around. 
right in the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? You see these people start crowding against you, his disciples answer, and yeah, you ask who touched me, but Jesus kept looking. He kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman knowing what had happened to her came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear told him the whole truth. He said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. He just couldn't let her pass by. He couldn't let this moment pass by. All she wanted was just to touch his clothes and receive her healing. All she wanted was that moment of restoration for her body. But there was something about Jesus that couldn't help but turn around. There was something about Jesus in this moment as this woman should never have been reaching out to touch Him. She was unclean, she was messed up. She should not be touching a man like Jesus and yet she pressed through the crowd and she reached out and she touched Him and she expected second best. If that's all I get, that will be enough. But that's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. In this moment, Jesus turns around and He looks out to the crowd. And He looks out the crowd tonight and He scans from the front to the back. He's scanning, He's scanning, He's scanning because He wants a moment. Because He wants a moment. He doesn't just want you to receive a blessing from His back. He wants you to meet Him face to face. There's a face to face encounter with Jesus available to us tonight in this place. There's a face to face encounter. How am I going to get my turnaround? How are things going to change? How are things going to be different? Because not only are you going to have a turnaround, He is turning around. And right in the middle of your situation, right in the middle of your mess tonight, you can encounter the grace and love in the person of Jesus. And He's here tonight and He's here in this place. I don't know how long you've fought. I don't know how long you've tried, but you can encounter love and grace in the person of Jesus tonight. Let's sing. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.